Bonjour, en son nom va le faire. No, no, wait, let's let's not go there. Uh, good evening and welcome to French Football Weekly. Uh, we are here to talk uh, French football and as you may have guessed from my ever so slightly cheeky intro there, um, it's going to be fairly PSG heavy this evening um, and I won't mention that slogan again because I'm sure they've been ripped for that too many times but I had to get it in once. Uh, I am your host Chris and uh, good evening to my panellists and colleagues for this evening's show. Uh, firstly welcome back Mr Rich Allen. Hello Rich. Hello. Good to have you back my friend. All, all is well I hear. Thank you very much. Yeah no it's not too bad thank you. Good good uh, and welcome back to Phil. Hello Phil. Hello. And all good your end, I trust? Yeah, pretty much. We've got over the um, bizarre weather that's been happening recently, which was snow, sleet, sunshine, torrential rain, and back to sunshine again. So we're just waiting for hail to get the, the full house. Yes, I can confirm in Plymouth, UK, it is currently chucking it down. So okay. um, good times. And, uh, yes, superb. Okay. Um, well, thank you both for joining me as always. And we're going to say off the off the top of the uh, the show, we might mention it at the end as well, uh, no pod next week because Phil's off to sun herself. So um, <laughs> yeah, holidays, calls. Uh, so we won't be around next week. So you just have to enjoy us for this week. Maybe play it twice. Uh, right. Um, here's how tonight's pod's going to go. We're going to quickly sort of run through the results from last week uh, in the weekend Kifua just to give you an idea of the results as usual uh, but rather than focus on three individual games we're just going to have a very large uh, section this week uh, the Grand Debat is going to be very PSG heavy so let's uh, waste no time and uh, just cast our minds back to the weekend that was in Liga. Rather than go through sort of the uh, the individual incidents as well, we are literally going to give you the scores. So, last week uh, saw the weekend start off with PSG and Troyes. Uh, on the, no, it didn't. I'm telling lies. It was the Friday matches. I do apologise. Nice and Lille is where I should have gone first. A 2-1 victory for the home side, plunging Lille into further trouble. Uh, Mario Balotelli and Willem Cyprian with a late winner after Luis Saral had pulled one back and levelled for Lille, but no points for uh, Andrew's, Andrew's men. I'm sure he's very upset this evening. Um, Monaco, Bordeaux, also same scoreline. Home win for the Monegasques. Uh, Jovetic and Ronnie Lopez with the goals after Valentin Vada had put the away side in front. So come from behind victory for Jardim's men. Then we had Trois and PSG. Uh, not Trois, as I keep hearing them referred to on English podcasts. Please do some research. Uh, PSG winning 2-0. Angel Di Maria and uh, Christian Nkuku. Nice to see him on the score sheet. Uh, a game that was um, certainly remembered for a certain George Weyer's son making his professional debut for PSG as well. Uh, we also saw Amiens for, uh, fall at home to Ren. I'm sure Rich was delighted. Wabi Kazri and Saar with a late goal in the well, four minutes to go, securing the points for Ren in that game. Much needed as well. Onja, speaking of much needed points, they got a 3-0 win over Gangomp. Toko Kambe, of course, who else? And Traore at the 90th minute, two late goals in that one. Goals at the start and goals at the end, securing the three points. And again, much needed. Mets to lose. Unfortunately, Jez couldn't get a win. Uh, Nolan Rue did get on the score sheet, shock of shocks. But Julian Palmieri sending off cost them the game ultimately as Toulouse equalised late on through Amiens with a goal in the 84th minute. Heartbreak for Mets, unfortunately. Uh, St Etienne and Dijon also ended in a draw. 2-2 in this one. St Etienne keeps scoring goals. It's quite scary. Uh, Julio Tavares scored for Dijon to put them in front before 
a pair of Berich goals pulled the game back to 2-2 in between a side goal for Dijon. So Dijon actually led twice in that game but couldn't see it out as Sanetian claimed this the uh, point from the spoils. Can't also were uh, in action on the Sunday. They got us off to off and running on the Sunday. Fixtures a 2-0 victory over Strasbourg. Uh, Crivelli with the opening goal. And Schulbert uh, with the second goal in the 87th minute to secure the 2-0 win for the home side. Montpellier and Lyon, I'm sure Phil was delighted uh, that, uh, well, I say delighted, it was only a point, but you know, a point's better than nothing. Nobody um, drowned. That's basically no. what we're taking away from that game. And Did you there was... see the footage? And the sky. Did you see yes. that? that pit? Oh, 74th minute for Lulu. Yeah. Oh, absolutely beautiful skyline that is. If you haven't seen it, dig out the pictures. Beautiful sky. Uh, but there was also two goals in the game. And Penza putting Montpellier in front early on before Mariano Diaz equalising for Leon in midway through the second half. Uh, a draw. It doesn't really suit Leon's chase for their uh, pursuit of Champions League places, but certainly helps out Montpellier. Uh, three straight draws, in fact. Mm-hmm. And finally, speaking of draws, uh, Marseille and Nantes. Uh, this was a funny old game. Uh, and it's in a 1-1 draw. If we get a chance, we may come back to it as we look ahead to next week's games. But yes, a 1-1 draw. Florian Tovan, who else? Without him, I dread to think where Marseille would be. With a 90-minute-plus equaliser. Uh, a little bit controversial. And uh, we saw Palois sent off for Nantes, who had led through a delicious uh, Leo Dubois strike on the 11th minute um, in that game. Really was a terrific hit from the edge of the penalty area. Mondunda with no chance, but uh, yeah, Ranieri's men will be slightly disappointed. And Ranieri had quite a lot to say about one Dimitri Payet, who continues to nick a living for Marseille. Yeah, I said that. Um, so that was the weekend that was in Ligue 1. Uh, as you probably guessed, PSG are, uh, well, they're, they're champions, let's be honest. Um, the interesting 75 is- points, the furthest they've been ahead, the highest point score they've, had at this point in the season since not you know, the money and the funniest bit is that their current manager may not be there to lift the trophy when it's awarded so more on that in a second mm. but as you say PSG I mean 14 points clear of Monaco it's done and dusted the chase is on for uh, Marseille in third and Lyon in fourth to try and catch Monaco but both of them a little bit out of form at the moment uh, both without a win in well, two, two games and uh, three games without a win for Leon now. In fact, no, five games without a win. Montpellier creeping up the table to six. We've got Nantes, Nice, Bordeaux and Dijon making up the top ten with Gangon, Kant, and Etienne Angers down to 14th. And there's a clutch of sides, uh, probably Angers includes actually, Strasbourg on 31 points in 15th, Amiens and Toulouse have 29 points in 16th and 17th with Troyes and Lille occupying two of the spots. So Troyes in the, rele- in the relegation playoff space, 28, Lille 27 in the drop zone and Mets uh, probably doomed on 20 points. I, I, presu- I, presu- I presume you missed Ren out on purpose there. Just to, uh, oh, I did, didn't I? Sorry, Ren. The, the, the glory that we are now that we're in fifth. I do apologise. Leon, was... Leon firmly in our sights now. <laughs> Only the 10, 10 points. points. That, 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 was, clear. Yeah, that was a genuine Oversight, not intentional, last, I promise. Last, last five games, Leon three points, Ren ten points. Oh, yes. We're coming. Ren, We're coming PS, PSG are positively <laughs> bricking it right now. So, um, yes. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's the Ren and Tard. Well, to be it. fair, they actually are, aren't they? After, you know... Yeah, after the, the obvious, the thing. Okay, well, let, let's let's waste no time then. I'm sure this is what uh, anyone who's tuned in for is is looking for us to discuss. So, uh, let's get into this week's Le Grand Debat, or is it more of a tragedy? Is it more of a, well, I don't know. It's a car crash. Um, 
let's talk PSG. So they came into the second leg of the Champions League tie with Real Madrid last night at time of recording. Uh, they were 3-1 down from the first leg. Um, we discussed the first leg on the previous podcast that we did. Um, all they needed to do was score two goals and not concede any. Um, that didn't really occur. Um, let's, uh, Rich, let me start with you, um, having you back on. So... Where where do we begin to dissect this this performance? Because let's be honest, there was not a performance from PSG. We'll we'll come on to the individual incidents in the game in a moment, but just an overall summary. I mean, it was just so limp the way that they just tumbled out of the Champions League um, and were made to look the average side that that they are right now. Would that be a bit harsh, or would you agree with that? Um, I don't know about average, but it certainly highlighted that they have a long way to go if they're to get that Champions League glory that they want. In terms of the, the, the actual game itself, I mean, I thought the opening 20, 25 minutes were pretty good, I thought, for PSG. I think they created a, a couple of chances, but it was really a case of, I was hoping, I was expecting them to put in a performance like that in the opening 20 minutes or so. Really try and get a feel for how Real Madrid are going to approach the game. Were they going to come out of the blocks looking for an early goal to hopefully sort of kill it off? Were they going to sit back and let PSG come on to them? So I was, in, I was anticipating that, that opening 20 minutes. What then didn't happen was that once PSG had sort of sussed out a little bit what Madrid's game plan was going to be, PSG then didn't kick on. You know, it got to half-time and it was nil-nil. And it was almost a case of PSG had forgotten that, that actually, you know what, it's great that we're not, we've still got to score goals. You know, just not conceding is not going to get us through. We still need to score at least those two goals. And by the time that sort of dawned on them, it was, of course, too late. If it, if it didn't indeed dawn on them, at times it, it really didn't seem like they, I think as soon as I think it was the Verratti sent, sending off, um, it, they just didn't seem bothered, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, they pulled the goal back, but um, there was, there was you know, little in the way of urgency. And the, 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 the substitution at the end, with, or towards the end of... Yeah. Bring off Mbappe and bring on Lasana Diara probably summed it up. I think. Yeah, that that was a we've given up moment. Um, so it, it it's no you can't say going out to Real Madrid is a is an absolute disappointment because there are far better teams who will go out and lose to Real Madrid. You know they're they're reigning Europe uh, Champions League um, winners the last two years. So they've got the experience. I think I've, I've said previously the biggest danger that PSG faced was that the Champions League were all, was all Real Madrid had to play for. So there's a very experienced team there going in knowing that well, this is their tournament. You know, no, I don't think any team won the Champions League back-to-back before. Certainly to go for three in a row is, is you know, totally unprecedented. So, it, I mean, we'll come on to ex- exposing what the, the serious problems are there, but... It was a very, very poor performance. I was expecting more, um, but I think this is only the beginning for, for the repercussions. Hmm. I just, I just want before we go to Phil. I just, I want to, I want to pick, pick you, pick you up on something there, Rich, if I may, just because I'm intrigued. This is a, a debate after all. Um, is there actually an argument to say there isn't? You said there, there's no disgrace going out to anyone in the Champions League. It's the Champions League. But I would actually argue that if you were ever going to go for a Real Madrid side, this is the season. I, I would, oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say that I, I liken it to. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of um, bring in some of Jez's messages in our group a little bit later. Obviously, <laughs> made some good points as well. But he he brought up the point about Monaco last season and, and what they achieved. 
I would argue that the Monaco side of last season would have pushed Real Madrid a lot harder than PSG did this season. Would that be, is that fair or do you start no, by? No, I, I think you're entirely right. It, come, it comes down to the attitude and the attitude of the vast majority of those players last night was, was that it, it, it wasn't in the right, they weren't in the right frame of mind. It, it didn't seem that they were focused and determined on coming together as a team to defeat the opposition, which is what Monaco so successfully did last season domestically and, and in Europe. Um, I mean, the, 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 problems, the problems, as we will discuss, don't come from this game. The problems stem way further back. And then this is just the, the culmination of, of all those issues coming to its head in its biggest, biggest way possible. Um, and we will, we will obviously continuously now have the debate of, well, you know, would they have done something different had Neymar been in the side? Mm. I'm of the belief they wouldn't. He was totally anonymous in the first leg. I don't overly believe that he would have made much of a difference no, last it, I, night. I, I think this, in a sense the result wouldn't have been different, but the way they messed it up might have been slightly different, if you see what <laughs> I mean. Like that. The way they messed well, it up, yeah. Well, no, because I mean, what we've seen is um, Lequeep put out uh, some stats today saying that there were... Last night, there were six passes in total between the front three of PSG. Now, the independent says there were two, but whatever, we'll go with Licky. Six between Di Maria, Cavani, Mbappe. Now, in the first leg, there were ten, but those were all between Mbappe and Neymar. Mm-hmm. Neither of those two passed to Cavani. So, yes, if Neymar had been there, there might have been a slightly different approach to running down a blind alley and then falling over. But that still probably would have been what happened. And Mm. it's kind of looking at that lack of chemistry in that, that front three, because even if, you know, with um, Neymar out and Di Maria in, Di Maria has got 92 caps for Argentina, you know, he's not Mm. chopped liver. Um, That's still a top class front three. And if they don't work together, then that's going to be a real problem. And you saw that kind of thing happening all over the pitch that everybody was trying to do it themselves and look good and do something important and not necessarily taking the sensible decisions. Um, And that was something something that seemed to sum up why things weren't kind of working to, to go through that rail defence because yes they've had a bad La Liga but you look at the, like Mike Cayley put up the XG for this and like Real Madrid's defence did a brilliant job kind of uh, uh, just making sure nothing happened and that was because there was a very little kind of creativity or surprise coming towards them perhaps Rich? Yeah I was going to say I think just to touch on Phil's point there about the lack of chemistry, I think it probably highlighted it most in that, that chance in the first half. Um, Mbappe was through, the, the obvious ball was a square oh. ball across to Cavani, who was mm-hmm. alone in the middle, would have been a tap-in. This is where I perhaps contradict myself that Neymar wouldn't have made a difference because if that was Neymar in the middle instead of Cavani, then Mbappe yeah. would have... <laughs> he would have passed. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it would have been a goal and of course it would have been different. So, okay, if perhaps on that on that... I mean, it's not the way that Neymar should be making a difference by being a, you know, a preferred receiver of passes from Mbappe than Cavani, but 
it's it's silly because it was it was an obvious pass, and I know we will try and give Mbappe the sort of benefit of the doubt of his age and, and lack of experience at this level. But you know, if, if you're going to be this global superstar, it's, it's things like that. You, you know, even at 19, he's still you need to be picking up on them. Um, so it, it was just disappointment. Well, I, I say it was disappointment from front to back. It wasn't because Ariola, I thought, was really good. Yeah. And I think over both legs has stood out by a long way mm. as PSG's best player. There yeah, was, I think, uh, um, again, with um, Kaylee put up the, the XG for this, which was 1.2 versus 2.1. So, in a sense, the shots you'd ex- you know, it, it came out even what you'd expect. And Ariola did put in some really good saves um, in the second half, particularly when things got a bit iffy with the Verratti situation um, to keep them in it. And yes, I mean, he, he uh, I think, was, was very impressive. It was more kind of the, the bluntness up front that, that seemed to be the, the issue. Because if you look at this, the possession was about 50-50. Pass completion was pretty much the same. Real had 22 shots to PSG's eight, according to the Optostats on, on L'Equipe. Six shots on target to three. It kind of... The, the end result did actually reflect the effort put in, as it were, which is kind of bizarre given that two of the goals were such absolute kind of random pinball deflection bouncing around, you know, not in unintentional um, results. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of that things did pan out the way they should have done at the end of the day, albeit not particularly in the way you'd maybe have expected them to. I want to I want to read you a few a few tweets which we we don't always do on this this show but I think they're quite relevant um, that I've picked out from uh, JJ Jonathan Johnson and Matt Spiro I thought they were quite interesting um, on the goalkeeping point there's one from John Johnson here where he says really makes me laugh how people obsess over PSG needing quote marks a goalkeeper with Areola quote marks not good enough take a look around is he really the weak link PSG have more pressing needs this summer mm-hmm. which I thought was a very good tweet also um, Derek Ray of ESPN picked up on the following of Julian Draxler's comments not holding back on Unai Emery where he said he was surprised and a bit angry um, to be left on the bench he said he didn't know what was going on that it was insensitive and he didn't understand it um, and there was uh, there's an absolute mountain of tweets from from Matt Spire I could pick up on, but um, the one that sort of really got to me, uh, which is where I can bring in some of Jez's comments, actually. Um, the way certain PSG players like Rabiot speak of such abject failure, shrugging and saying stuff like, we did our best, or talk things through, our time will come, suggests to me that their time won't come. I thought mm. that was very, very poignant. And Jez makes the point that... Um, uh, I'm just going to read his his message in our group here. Um, I picked up on the same thing, even though it's a bit of a random one. In sort of comparing PSG to my beloved my beloved Arsenal, in that okay, I think Arsenal would kill to be where PSG are right now. That that would be uh, an understatement. But there is a sense of uh, sort of uh, a bit Empress New Clothes. It, it, there's that sense of oh yeah, we've got the facilities, you know, we've got the money, we've got the stadium, but. Ultimately, when it really matters at the really top level, in the really big games, players don't perform. They don't step up. The manager isn't really com- convincing on, on those stages. Is there, Rich, I'll come to you first. Is, is there an argument that for all the money in the world, are we slightly overrating 
the players PSG have. I mean, do they honestly need to look at, like um, Jonathan has said there, it's not so much the goalkeeper, but maybe they need to look at some of these stars. And By all means, you can bring in Marco Verratti at this stage. Are they really as good as, as people think they are? Um, I think there are significant elements of that squad that can be looked at and think if PSG were really serious about the Champions League and, and winning the Champions League, those players perhaps wouldn't be certainly in the starting eleven, maybe not even in the squad. Um, I think when I touched on earlier about problems laid far far beyond um, just the performance from last night, it, you can trace this back pretty much to each and every transfer window we've had over the last three or four years, where it's been so blatant, so obvious what areas PSG needed to improve on. And window after window, they have gone after glamour signings, the sort of um, ego project that, that El Khalifi has with, with creating this global brand that, that PSG are seemingly going to become. Um, it, it stems quite simply back to the fact that, that more pressingly, I suppose, the summer transfer window a holding midfielder should have been brought in. There should have been, uh, you know, additions to the centre 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 of defence. There should have been a better right back option coming in than Danny Alves. There perhaps should have been a better left back option coming in than than Bashiche or Beniche as as uh, Glenn. Oh, Hummel. don't get me started, please. <laughs> that wound That's me not... up so much. Oh God, sorry. Uh, just just call him Nuri. His shirt yeah. says, just call him Nuri. Or oh, here's an idea, Rich. Just call him by his actual name. Jesus, I'm but, sorry. You know, they, they've, they've got, they've got the money. Well, they before they went for these the, t- the two big silly signings in the summer, they had the money to put those concerns and those areas right. Yeah, they'd identified players. They were, they were going after Fabinho fairly strongly. Um, he could have, he could have killed two birds with one stone by, by right covering right back and and the holding midfielder. But so they, they, they knew what the areas were, but instead. And this doesn't lay with, with Emery. This goes far beyond and far above Emery to, to El Khalifi. They said, you know what, we're going we're to do away with 200 odd million euros by Neymar. We're going to secure Mbappe on some dodgy loan deal, which means next summer we're going to have to pay 180 million euros. Then we're going to be buggered by the financial fair play rules. And all of a sudden, oh no, we can't actually bring in the players that we really needed. Because PSG would have got to this exact same situation without Mbappe and without Neymar this mm-hmm. season. I've no doubt about that. They'd have still had Di Maria, still had Cavani. Um, but they didn't address those matters. They then were forced to go in, in the January transfer window after a free signing in Lasana Diara. So their holding midfielders consist of three players who don't want to play in that position, being Rabiot, Verratti, Lacelso, And then... You know, out on his legs, Thiago Motta, out on his legs, barely played in the last two years, Lasana Diaba. And then they expected to, to progress in the Champions League beyond the quarterfinals. I mean, it's a bit of a joke that they had those expectations after not addressing the clear and obvious areas to improve. And until they do that, they, they won't. They won't make it beyond this stage because every other team in Europe does that. I mean, I used last night the example of Manchester City. In the summer, defence was the problem. What did they do? They went out, you know, over the last two transfer windows, they bought Mendy, they bought Danilo, they bought um, Laporte. Laporte. Yeah. 
um, uh, Mendy, they bought Benjamin Mendy, yeah. you know, they've addressed all this well. In addition, Edison to, to adding, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Goalkeeper, they've also then added to other areas of the pitch. I mean, to think, you know, Bernardo Silva was almost like an afterthought, afterthought <laughs> transfer. That's quite a nice situation. But Guardiola addressed those issues. Mm. And the board allowed him to address those issues. Emery has zero say in transfers at PSG. I'd put a lot of money on that. Um, he's there simply to coach them. And if he's not coaching the team that he wants, well, of course the whole thing's going to come falling down. Of course it's not going to get the best out of players. And of course, sadly for Emery, he's going to be the one that will be given the boot. Um, mm. But the problems with PSG sit right at the top. Unless that attitude changes and El Khalifi decides, you know what, I need to build a squad, or he says, you know what, I'm going to bring in a coach who can do that himself, PSG will not be winning the Champions League anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, no. you just, I mean, this is, is kind of maybe going from the sublime to the ridiculous, but you go back to the weekend's game against Troyes. Okay, Troyes are, what, 19th in the table? They're not very good. But PSG have got Neymar on the treatment table, um, Mbappe was out with ankle knack. Cavani was being rested for the Real Madrid game because there was nobody else. So their front three was Di Maria on the right, Draxler, who's a left winger at centre-forward, and Nkunku, who is a central midfielder with less than three hours senior playing time this season as left wing. And what we saw when you watched the first half of that match was they're as confused as we are as what their formation is. And, I mean, Nkunku ended up up front. Rabio ended up there one occasion. Lo Celso ended up, up up there. It was completely disorganised. And you kind of look at this thinking, with all that money, is the squad that thin that they can't actually construct a front three of, you know, striker attackers playing in their correct position that did seem very strange now obviously they did win that 2-0 because they were playing Trois who were in the relegation zone but that was a very kind of it felt like you knew what Emery was doing resting Cavani keeping Mbappe safe getting ready for this match but having that experience of playing a football match where a lot of people didn't look like they knew exactly what they were doing. Can't have been psychologically the best preparation for then playing a team who do know what they're doing. And that just seemed to kind of point up some of the issues that they were they were having there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And, and I tweeted um, last night, uh, at the risk of blowing my own trumpet, but I, I said... Make no mistake, the, the, the lack of competition in, in Liga doesn't help, but to hide behind it is utterly stupid. The likes of Monaco, Marseille, Lyon, Bordeaux, to name but four, are no worse than mid-table Premier League sides that Man City swat aside. But look at the difference in Europe. And, and what I'm trying to get at with that is, as Rich says there, you know, Manchester City have taken themselves to another level. They're on equal financial footing as PSG, uh, probably slightly more, but they're, they're a superpower. Um, and as Rich also said, they have gone out and addressed not only the manager... Mm. But but the, the the playing staff as well. Just on the situation there, Phil. What what's the bigger problem for you, in your opinion? Is is it the fact that Unai Emery, who at this stage, I know we said this last season, but at this stage he very much is a sitting duck waiting to be shot, not literally, obviously. Um, he will go. Is it is it the coach? Is it simple as changing coach, or are the players? You know, is does this squad need 
full surgery in the summer under a new coach as well? Well, I'm not sure because as Rich said, does Emery have any control over who is bought and sold? And so that's one thing. If you can't actually bring in the players you think you need to help the squad, that's going to be a problem. Also, we go back to the lack of chemistry issue, which seems to be related to the very large personalities in the room. Now, obviously, if you're dealing with top flight footballers, there are going to be some large personalities there. But PSG's large personalities do seem to be possibly larger than other places. And maybe at Man City, you maybe don't have the the level of large personality but you've also got a coach who can deal with that um so it is maybe about the player relations but that should be something that a coach who would be able to impose themselves more possibly would be able to deal with and if emery can't impose himself on this team it may partly be him, but it's also going to be the level of support he is getting from above, which appears to be not, as Rich said, not very much. If they know he's not the guy, you know, buying the players, they're also going to suspect he's not the guy picking the team. Um, and so maybe that doesn't give, you know, the kind of the respect that is needed for a manager team dynamic to work in the way it clearly is doing at a Man City where Pep is able to is a leader and is able to lead and perhaps that Zidane is able to impose at Real Madrid which also has some very strong personalities in that dressing room because he's been there and done that and he has their respect that Emery has kind of been to a certain extent hung out to dry here by not being backed in practical terms. The words mean nothing. In practical terms, has he been backed enough? Probably mm. not. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's that's very true. And as you say, the personnel who's been who's being brought for him is, is an interesting one. Um, Rich, in terms of the, the, the Ligue 1 debate, because this always fascinates me, and you, you get those people, uh, we all know them, oh, it's a farmer's league, oh, it's, you know, full of average players, people who never watch it, basically. We all know those types. Um, is there a slight argument for what Phil's saying there? If you look at the, the Man City model is a prime example, they're signing players who are who come in knowing they may not be um, they may not be first choice. So, you know, they come into a club going, Bernardo Silva is a prime example. You know, we, we know how much talent he has having watched him at Monaco, but he's only recently broken into that side. However, he knows he's going to get some Premier League games, some Champions League games, some Carabao Cup games, some FA Cup games. The argument with PSG, of course, is if you're signing someone like a Julian Draxler as, a, as one example, is he going to be happy playing at Troyes away and the occasional sort of high-profile game in Liga, but ultimately being dropped for what what are the only big games, quote unquote, i.e. the Champions League games for PSG? So is that a problem that PSG will always have because they are in the French top division that it will be hard to attract? players and keep those players motivated happy and ready to play in these top games because they're not getting the highest level competitive football at, at the league level or is that just a complete fallacy do you think well i can see i can see that angle i can see it however i think what you have to look at is 
you know, look at seasons gone by of how much you know, Bayern Munich have dominated the Bundesliga. You know, there have been seasons recently where they have absolutely walked it. Now, you're not telling me that they found the vast majority of those games really tough, really tricky. They didn't. You know, we've seen Real Madrid dominate La Liga in, in recent times. We've seen Barcelona dominate La Liga in, decent, in recent times. You know, again, are you telling me that they found that really tough and, you know, every game was on a knife edge and really challenging? No, it, it, it wasn't. You know, the same can be said, I think, for Manchester City this season. No, they're, they're, they're going to take the tile in an absolute cakewalk. So, I think... Find it, I think there's, a, there's obviously the stigma of Liga, and, and I know we, we sometimes come across as playing the victim card, that it's the sort of poor relation of the top five. Um, but, you know, it, it's a case of, of the money is coming into Liga now. You know, we, we've, we've you know, PSG were the first, we've seen Monaco, money's coming into Marseille, money's coming into you know, three or four of the, the other sides in the division. That's only going to increase because there's, there's nowhere else for the money to go. You know, all the teams in the Premiership, uh, all the teams in, in, um, in, you know, all the big teams anyway in La Liga, yeah, the money's all there already. So it's going to come in. So there's going to have to be an element of, of persuasion to some of these players of, you know, take a little bit of a gamble. But ultimately, it's PSG and, and you know, a, a pretty much endless, bottomless bucket of money that they can throw at players. And I'm afraid in this day and age, that will work for the vast majority of players. So I don't necessarily buy that as a, as a reason for, for why they might struggle. Um, you know, I don't believe that at all. You know, ultimately, the biggest, the biggest answer to all of that is Neymar. You know, they brought in the third best player in the world and, and you know, absolutely put the, the, broke the transfer record um, and absolutely shattered it. So they can do it. They can bring, if they can bring Neymar in, they can bring any player in. Um, so, I, again, I can, see, I can see where they come from, but I think when you actually examine it, compare it with, with, other, with other leagues, I, I just don't buy it as an excuse why uh, that PSG can use for, for not living up to what they need to be living up to in the Champions League. Mm. I, mean, I think definitely. I was um, looking at the, having seen that question, looking at the the gaps uh, in the in a sense the PSG era in 2015-16, they were on 73 points at this stage, and Monaco was second on 50. Right, so there's a big gap at the moment, which is 14 points, but last season. They didn't get it all their own way. This season, obviously, they're going to win. But the thing they haven't done, which I think is something we've banged on about forever, but also a lot of their fans have banged on about forever, is if they're that good in a league where they're going to dominate and they are going to put eight past Dijon, as you know, Rabiot's uh, quote after the, the first leg was, why aren't they bringing more youngsters through, trying them out more in those league on games against the bottom half where, frankly, they are going to win. You know, that's what I said about Nkunku is one of the youngsters who's got the most appearances for them this season, kind of in his debut season, and it's less than three hours. 
there were so many opportunities to give him more choice, more chances, to give Nsoki more chances. When Weyer was brought in, to give him a bit more of time, maybe just sub appearances, but something. So they are, you get the sense that they're more building something than simply buying it. Now, obviously, if you're talking about the high level, then buying is probably the practical thing to do. But it keeps a lot of people on side if you're going to actually be using that massive academy that you have rather than selling them right, left and centre because their parents are so pissed off at the, the lack of opportunity they get. And so it's it's a difficult situation possibly man for to manage, but they had that opportunity. And if the league is weaker, you know, whatever the argument is, but if it is weaker, then use that opportunity to develop some more younger players. And they haven't done that. And that's why you're left with a situation where you have that front three against Troyes, which looked like they had not met before. Yeah, well said, well said. We we do have to um, address the, the situation of uh, briefly the playing staff and, of course, the manager as well. So I'm going to give you sort of both a section each here. Um, Rich, you've drawn the short straw. I'm giving you the Emery question. Um Reports, are, if reports are to be believed, uh, PSG are weighing up in Emery's future as of now, let alone the summer, i.e. they could be willing to part ways with him as early as, as sort of the next few hours. Um, if that was to happen, and it probably will happen, who do you think they are going to go for? Pochettino is the interesting name I see leaked out this evening because obviously that would be A, hilarious uh, for my own personal <laughs> reasons, um, but B, there's a link there. Zidane has mentioned, a coach of the team that knocked them out last night. There's talks of Arsene Wenger potentially being available in the summer, depending on what happens there. Um, or are they going to go sort of full out of the blue and find somebody else, maybe a bit more of a disciplinarian, like a Conte if he leaves Chelsea? Where do you see them going next in terms of a replacement for Emery if he does go? Um, I think they will probably give Emery till the end of the season. Um, I don't. I don't think I see him going before then. Um, mm. It's not like they can change what happened yesterday by firing no, him, right? No, they're definitely. still going to win the league. They're still probably going to win two cups. You know, fine. Um, I think in terms of coach, I think I think you can probably look at bringing it down to two. Um, I, you know, I don't think Zidane will do it. Um, one, I'm, I'm not sure if he'll leave Madrid, especially if he brings him another Champions League. Two with his obvious Marseille connections, and um, you know we saw that Marseille were very much support Zidane pre pre kickoff last night. I don't I don't see him going to PSG. Um, for me, I think it, it probably comes down to two. Um, one is perhaps ever so slightly more realistic than the other. I think it comes down to Pochettino, who obviously has links, um, having played there a few quite a few years ago now. Um, you know, he he can be quite a feisty character. Maybe he is a character that can that can get a bit of cohesion in the team. Is not afraid to to stand up to some of those senior players and those sort of glamorous players that may think that that they are the club and that that, that you know the manager answers to them. Um, maybe he he wants to you know sort of push on from you know it's the it's the old um, always the bridesmaid 
never the bride, isn't it? You know, everyone's been praising the work he's done with Tottenham, but you know, not actually won anything. And, and maybe he now has got that itch of, well, I now want to take that next step on and maybe I've taken Tottenham as far as they can go. Um, so he's he's the first one, but I think it will take a lot to get him away from Tottenham. And the other one, I, as, as you touched on, Chris, was Conte. Um, I could see them going for him. Um, he's obviously not happy at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I think most people seem to agree that he will be off in the summer. And I know... Um, I read that Alessandro Costa Curta, who's like the the head honcho for for searching for the new Italian manager, has said that that Conte is their number one choice to take over in the summer. Um, whether he'd be persuaded to go back there, obviously he had that that spell with Italy before joining Chelsea. Um, so I, you know he's another one that fits that mould of fiery, has coached you know, has coached at the very top. Um, and won't be afraid to, to take any stick from the players. Of course, what we haven't taken into account here is, do some of those senior players have a say? Will El Khalifi talk to you know, Neymar? Will he talk to Thiago Silva and say, look, guys, you know, what do you think? Um, so they, they'd be certainly on... If I was El Khalifi and I was looking to bring in a coach, they'd be the two that would be on my two-man shortlist. But knowing him, there's going to be, you know... It's not going to be someone like that. It'll be someone, another sort of yes man who will sort of bow down and, and do as he and, and Neymar say, basically. It's, uh, it's definitely going to be a job that a lot of people will fancy, I think, given the amount of money that will be around. But, um, Phil, you get the uh, the other short straw, um, and that is the playing staff. Now, I think it's a given that we know some will be off. You know, Thiago Motta has said, obviously, this is his last Champions League game last night. I think it will be his last season PSG. Um, there's a, a lot of... Um, I don't think Diara will get a longer-term contract. There's a lot of talk about Thiago Silva. Uh, at long last, um, maybe seeking pastures new. Uh, Di Maria, Draxler may have a look at their contracts in the season. But do you see any higher-profile casualties? I mean, we touched on Marco Verratti's patchness last night. He's a player I absolutely love, but he frustrates the hell out me as well because he just doesn't seem to learn from the basic mistakes he makes time and time again the quality's there but and then there's the Cavani debate I mean how many of these big name players survive I think um, one of the questions we got in this evening was from Bobby Chakraborty which was on a scale of one to ten how fucking stupid was Ferrati and (laughs) like you said doesn't seem to have not I mean there's a reason why we have the Marco Ferrati booking sweepstakers you know, a hashtag. It's he doesn't often get sent off, to be fair, but he gets booked a lot. And if you get booked on the twentieth minute of a Champions League game, that means you need to behave for the rest of the game. I think Christophe Dugarry was on the RMC early, it was on the radio in France, having another one of his epic rants, and this was a good one. It was basically Verratti uh Il ne fait que de bruit. He only makes noise. He only makes trouble. And he listed the players that Verratti had faced off against in that match. And there was like six of them. I'm like, why, why are you picking fights in this important game when you're already on a booking? And there's been talk in the past, you know, obviously Verratti is a great player, but does he slow PSG down because of his style? Is, he, is it just that he's not a good fit for what PSG are trying to do with that kind of dynamic all-out attack? So, yeah, that it's 
something that's going to to need to be looked at because if he stays there that is going to be a continuing issue but you've also got the issues that Rabio, who seems to in a sense want to dictate his own position regardless of what the manager wants him to do you know it's it is a bit kind of awkward looking at, at, at how this is going to pan out but I think Cavani he always gives 100% and I think the fans really really respect that and you've seen some of the banners over the past couple of weeks giving him credit and thanking him for that and I think when you watch the match from last night yeah he wasn't brilliant all the time but as we've said six passes in total in the first leg neither of the other two forwards passed to him he always gives his all and I think there's an honesty there that is respected by the PSG fans. So if he stays, I think that would be a good thing. But if he felt he couldn't because of the situation, I also think that would be very understandable. Mm. I, think, I, think, I think you see Cavani as the high-profile departure this summer. If do I'm you really? And I think that would be... That would be a big negative for over Neymar. However, however much we laugh about him sometimes mm. and his conversion rate and the way he attempts to put the ball in the net and the way he did yesterday, <laughs> but he does it. And you look at his face, and he is always a hundred percent committed. It means something, yeah. Agreed. And that is something that I think the fans like. And if he isn't there, and that goes then that's another kind of problem for them that they're going to have to get over. And there, <laughs> there would be suitors as well. That's the thing. There would be Oh, God, yes. Because I mean, I he's top scorer in... He's top scorer in Liga. He's, you know... He's up there. Yeah. With the best. I mean, as you say, for all of his conversion rate, and I know Jez and I are on the but same his page His conversion here. rate is actually quite good. It's yeah, just true. he has the occasional hilariously bad miss <laughs> fine if you're scoring 20 how many how many has he got at the moment let me see 28 29 is it it's it's like it's the Lukaku <laughs> argument isn't it you know yes you might miss a few but um I would he's argue got he's 24 a in the league yeah I I mean that's well for the next few seasons you're in still, 25 I... matches I mean that's you're, you're still Jesus, like, give them a break. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't care what league it is, I think you're still, for the next two, three seasons, guaranteed minimum 20 goals from him. Yeah. And but also, I, 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 was, I was adding up the international caps that all of the, the starting 11 had. The only two without any, incidentally, Ariola and Yuri B. Um, and Cavani's 98 caps, he's also got about 40-odd goals. You know, he scores one in two for country as well you know it's he is he is very good and possibly deserves a little bit better than he's getting at the moment from his colleagues rather than uh the fans well did, did i read that Lewandowski looks like he could be off in the summer um and, and it would be a classic el Khaifi signing a big name player that's gonna what they need. well mm. then they're gonna have it i was what incidentally this week the she believes cup is on um 
to you know randomly drag this into another arena um france didn't have a happy opening game they lost 4-1 to england they drew 1-1 against america and they're going to be playing germany later this evening but in the american in the game against the usa lots of people uh were looking at the usa situation and criticizing what the hell they thought they were doing by just throwing attackers on to try to deal with a problem without actually thinking about the balance of the team. And I responded, well, that's what France used to do under Bruno Bini. It would be you'd end up with four defenders and just six attackers and a massive gaping hole in the middle where, you know, nothing was happening and the other team were perfectly able to take over and take charge. And it does look a little bit like PSG is setting up that they're going to have the four defenders and then just as many really, really expensive attackers as they can afford and the midfield will take care of itself. And that's not something that works. Like you say, if they buy Lewandowski and try and put him in as well as everybody else, you're going to end up with, you know, last year as the only midfielder attempting to to cover everything and it's not going to end well no no well well here's the deal um we will quite happily bundle up and package and send over granite shaka and mustafi if psg are quite happy to send verati and rabio into north london that's not a problem uh get in touch we'll sort that out uh Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Owner, uh, Mr. Ikalifia, we'll sort that. So, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think. I mean, I think we've covered all bases there. I think we have covered more than enough information. There's, there's one, one, one final, very quick point because I know. I knew much. that was going to happen. <laughs> I was going to say any other business. <laughs> it's, it's wound me up, and I know it's wound Jez up as well. Is all this? You know, let's laugh at PSG. You can't buy the Champions League. Oh yeah. Uh, Qatar FC. This, that, and the other. Why are we forgetting the fact that one, they're not the only team? You know, look at how you know, look at how many other clubs have spent ridiculous sums of money. I mean, in excess of five hundred million, in excess of some, in some cases, a billion. Well, look at look the at current Champions League holders, Real Madrid. I mean, well, yeah. exactly. And then let, let's not pretend that Real Madrid are this goody two shoes, honest anything. Mm. You know, we're, we're rags to riches story. They're not. How much did Ronaldo cost? How much did Bale cost? How much did Modric cost? The, you know, the list goes on of this team, let alone previous years. You know, you can attack PSG for many things. Let's not just solely attack them for being a side that's tried to spend a lot of money to bring success because they have not been the first. They will not be the last. Um, it's just ridiculous because you won't get any. You, know, you won't get Manchester City if they go out. Um, it's probably not going to be tonight, but if the next round they go out, they're not going to have the press all calling them Abu Dhabi FC. Of course they're not. Um, it, it's just it's just a ridiculous, obvious, easy joke yes. that the it's lazy. Exactly, that's what it is. That the press can make to sort of further enhance their sort of storylines. That you know the Premier League and then Real Madrid and Barcelona. And that's it as far as football's concerned. Mm-hmm. And it's just ridiculous. And it's just, it's embarrassing to see because the majority, I'm sure, can see right through it that it's, it is just utterly, utterly ridiculous. 
yeah pe- people with with some sort of football knowledge and a, a genuine understanding of the game and i think in fairness some of the the bigger journalists particularly european journalists have all said the same you know that that it's uh, there's a wider thing at play here it's not just about all oh, that's like the french team with lots of money there's a there's a bigger thing at play here and and, and there's a wider scheme and i think um, as we all said tonight el khalifi has a lot to answer for but it's all, it's the nouveau riche versus the established riche, and the mm. established doesn't have to be that old, but you know, PSG are the mm. newest. One just one thing when um, Rich mentioned Modric, there was a wonderful moment. I don't know if you got it got it on TV uh, last night, but after Benzema had been taken off, there was a shot of him and Modric on the bench. Yeah, I and. Did see that. Benzema kind of points and goes, hey, we're on the big screen. And yeah. Modric is just looking at him going, yes, Karim, that's our job. And <laughs> yeah. it was, it was, it was adorable. It was adorable. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I liked that. I liked go. that. Um, just before we draw a line into PSG and have a, a quick look ahead to games at the weekend, um, or what we fancy, just going to read a few thoughts from Jez, who obviously isn't with us this evening. Um, and he just put in our group that uh, basically I think that, that PSG is still very close but not making the last step because of the few remaining issues are glaring but have been there for two to three years and not being dealt with. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So my anger mainly directed at uh, NAC as in Nasser Al-Khalifi and the people at the very top. Um, then Emery for not being not being up to it and not having the balls to drop certain players. Then Thiago Silva who should set the tone on the pitch but generally the team didn't show enough heart and belief. But in general I feel sorry for those players especially Rabiot who though poor yesterday has I think been excellent in the Champions League for three years now with lots of crap and disappointment around him uh, overall I don't think the gap is that huge not an excuse but all the lucky decisions dodgy penalties offside deflections that went Rao's way which we touched on and I'm still furious about the level of, of Schadenfreude or the way that seems to be so anti-PSG as Rich was just mentioning there <clears throat> and uh, obviously avoiding uh, the um, the owners at City, they never get that, of course. Uh, and it's not like Real are poor, as we said earlier on. Uh, he also mentioned, don't give me the Glenn Dennings, but a uh, bit, don't give me the Glenn Dennings, but City play fo- great football bollocks. They don't that much, they don't that much until this year. And he was slating PSG even when they were 4 0 versus Barcelona. Well, this is the point, Glenn Dennings saying <laughs> that this year they are playing great football. It's, mm. it is, there is a bit of a difference. I mean, what I mentioned that I had an Arsenal parallel that I wanted to bring up, which was simply that after obviously the Arsenal game at the weekend, I saw a tweet which was um, T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. You know how that finishes? Mm -hmm. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. (laughs) And (laughs) that was something that I also saw referenced in relation to PSG leaving uh, the Champions League. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Mm. Not with a bang. But with the Thiago Motta. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting to see what what happens, and I think we're all going to uh, we're all going to watch with with interest in terms of um, what the future holds, what the summer holds, and what the what the immediate future holds, as much as anything, because uh, I think it's fair to say things will be happening mm-hmm. um, moving forwards. But uh, yeah, well, hopefully, um, if you support PSG, if you don't support PSG, or if you just fancied or enjoyed listening to us ramble on 
hopefully that um, wet or wet the whistle as far as last night goes. And uh, I suppose the one thing you could say is at least PSG has still got one of the nicest kits in Europe. I mean, we can still can we claim that one? I've always got to bring it back to kits, but it's what I do. So have you seen the away kit? They look like Nantes, which well, could explain yeah. some of that issues. But they are playing Mets at the weekend, mm. um, so that will obviously be a extremely uh satisfying and and ego boosting um <clears throat> silly nil uh scoreline i think mm. sorry they, they, they do it, they do it without neymar and i think i'm just reading that, that Cavani yeah they're playing mets well. who yeah. have currently got how many points mm. i i think i think they'll be fine yeah it's uh it's going to be interesting i think it's fair to say um Right. But we do have so, we do have other Europe happening tomorrow. We do or yes. today, if you are listening on Thursday when we put this up, which is that uh, the Europa League round of sixteen is happening. So Lyon are away in uh, sub-zero temperatures uh, against Cheska Moscow, and Marseille, who have got their official Twitter feedback after a suspension which took most of the day, which seriously look that up, it's hilarious, uh, will be welcoming Athletic Club, that's uh, Bilbao, um, and so those two are going to be in action attempting to get through to the next round. So we will be keeping an eye on those. There will be a preview up on the site tomorrow, today, depending when you're listening to this. Um, and hopefully both of them will get a result to take through to the uh, second leg. Yes, uh, yeah, we will be watching with uh, close interest with those. And uh, and once all the European action is done, uh, we're back into Liga this weekend. Uh, Strasbourg Monaco kicks us off on the Friday, uh, which weirdly uh, sort of tempts me and quite fascinated by that one. Um, as we said, PSG hosts Mets on Saturday, so you can expect them to win. 17 nil mm-hmm. um, <laughs> after the Lord Mayor show and all that. Bordeaux host Angers, Dijon uh, face Armia, that's quite a big one. Lille Montpellier, it's a, certainly a big one for Lille that. Um, Nantes host Trois, Rennes, Saint Etienne, uh, Gangop Nice on Sunday, Olympic Lyonnais against Caen and Toulouse Marseille. Any of those stand out to either of you? Uh, I th- it kind of. We've got a situation where there's no very close games this time. So it's a case of looking at what's close in form terms. And I know that Ren are fifth and Saint-Étienne are 13th, but Saint-Étienne are on, on the up. That could be, to me, an interesting one. And... Uh, I mean, I oh, Lille, uh, Lille, Lille, Lille Montpellier will have yeah. repercussions at the bottom... And in the uh, sort of Europa yeah. League range, but I think we, we I think we can safely assume that's going to be either nil nil or one one, given you know both teams' approaches to life. So mm-hmm. I'm not expecting that to be particularly exciting, but it would be interesting to see if uh, Dijon can continue. I mean, they're tenth at the moment. That's fabulous. Uh, whether they can continue their kind of freewheeling ways against Amiens, but also um, Bordeaux to a certain extent against Angers. Obviously, Angers hopped up from the relegation zone to fourteenth with their win at the weekend. If they could get something away at Bordeaux, obviously that would be huge. But it wouldn't actually move them in the table. It's kind of it's a 
it's an odd situation in the middle of the league on table at the moment. Basically, everybody's fighting for everything, and you've got people who are like you know Ren Montpellier Nantes on forty one and forty points, ten points off the, the top four, but could still be fighting for a European place. So it's you know it, there's still going to be some jockeying for position uh, as we go through. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I, I think the the Montpellier Lille game is the one that stands out. I, I, Rennes and Etienne sort of stands out to me. Mm. Toulouse Marseille could be anything, either a car crash or a dreadful nil nil. Um, and let's say Strasbourg Monaco. I don't know why. It's just something about a Friday night game against a side that's sort of pushing to the top against a side trying to get away from the bottom. It it could go into quite an entertaining affair. So uh, they're probably the ones I'll keep an eye on. But. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting weekend as, as usual. Um, any other business or any brief questions we've got there, Phil, that we can quickly get through before we draw a line? I think we, we, we had some questions last week which may have kind of gone into abeyance. We'll try and get a good set of questions together for the next bond in two weeks' time and have kind of a maybe a, a question special of all of the things that you've sent in over the past couple of couple of weeks um, to make sure that we you know deal with all of the concerns from our listeners as well as as from us um, but uh, from that I think we'll we'll just uh yeah keep those keep those in check for uh, for a special how does keep that sound cool. Yeah, keep yeah. them warm. So there you go, boys and girls. Uh, if you want a question answered by uh, by ourselves, whether it's about us personally, um, actually maybe not, but um, no. if it's about French football, then please get them in ahead of our podcast in uh, a fortnight's time, um, whether it's at home in Liga or in Europe, um, or whether it's about PSG or not, we'll, we'll take them all. So if you've got a question about a player or a team, get it in early and we'll uh, do our best to, uh, to get it answered. Um, Good stuff. Okay, well, if that's everything, I think we will draw a line under this week's uh, uh, bumper PSG podcast, if you will. Uh, I'm sure we'll come up with a witty title. Um, mm. But so we hope you... Um, we'll try anyway. We, the, the, <laughs> the, the end is you know. The end is here. The end is near. <laughs> PSG okay, at World I'm, Ra- I'm writing that down. Yes, I like that. I like that very much. Um, or uh, or Jeremy Smith's Glenn Denning love, something like that. Um, but yes, thank you uh, very much for tuning in. As always, we appreciate and love you all very, very much. So uh, keep it locked to the French Football Weekly website and Twitter accounts, all our usual places. Um, and send us some feedback on those questions ahead of the pod in two weeks' time. Uh, good luck to the French sides involved in the Europa League tomorrow at time of recording. And uh, my thanks, of course, to Rich and to Phil. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. And we shall return in two weeks. Until then, try not to miss us and uh, enjoy your Liga football. We'll speak to you in a fortnight's time.